For Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, you are listening to Our Waves, a monthly program about art, local artists, and spaces open to art in Mendocino County. I'm Victor Palomino, and with Marty Darling, we're exploring the Mendocino art sector. In today's show, Marty talks to the versatile vocal guitar duo Molino Bryan and Richard Moore, who will be performing on behalf of the KCYX Building Fund on March 4th at Space Theater in Ukiah and March 5th at the Little River Inn on the coast, followed by my conversation with Spencer Brewer about the Ukiah Community Concert Association 30th Annual Professional Pianist Concert coming to the Mendocino College Center Theater. But I think I will just be lonely for a while. That is singer Molly O'Brien and guitarist Rich Moore performing Jesse Winchester's Lonely for a While from their 2010 release, Saints and Sinners. Molly and Rich will perform at Space Theater in Ukiah on Saturday, March 4th, and at the Little River Inn on the coast on Sunday, March 5th. Both concerts are benefits for the KZYX Building Fund. Married for four decades, the two had separate careers before teaming up as a duo 17 years ago. Molly recorded solo albums as well as a series of duet albums with her brother, Grammy-winning bluegrass and folk artist Tim O'Brien. Rich held down a day job while performing with various local bands. They also raised two daughters. Molly's voice has been praised by everyone from author Anna Quindlin to musician Daryl Scott to Led Zeppelin's John Paul Jones, who says, If you want to know what singing is all about, listen to Molly O'Brien. I spoke by Zoom with Molly and Rich from their home in Denver, Colorado, last week. Well, I grew up in suburban Philadelphia. Um, my mother would play the piano. We had a, a player, piano, uh, you know, the old-fashioned piano rolls. And we had a couple of dozen rolls that I would play all the time. And, uh, you know, and my father loved to sing. He was a member of uh, Mendelssohn Club, which was a choral group in Philadelphia that would perform with the Philadelphia Orchestra and give concerts a lot. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of music. It was almost all classical, you know, growing up. We never listened to any pop music or jazz or anything like that. Um, and, you know, but eventually it found its way into my life, you know, with uh, WIBG and WFIL and WDAS, I think, was, uh, you know, some of the radio stations there that played pop music. And along came the Beatles. Uh, I, I never took piano lessons, I should say. Um, I was petrified of the piano teacher where I went to school, <laughs> which was a shame because I probably should have taken piano lessons. It was a nun. <laughs> yeah. But in any event, uh, you know, pop music came along. Uh, Philadelphia had a lot of great little soul bands and you know back when radio was all local you know uh and what you had great radio stations yeah really great radio yeah. stations yeah am yeah am radio stations yeah. you know fm was where you went to listen to smooth 
it wasn't called smooth jazz, but it was like smooth, you know, dentist office music and stuff like that. And maybe one classical station. Uh, but in any event, you know, then, of course, the Beatles came along and then the folk scare uh, and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And uh, my my parents, you know, we, we were a very quiet household <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but my parents did buy me a guitar when, for Christmas. It would have been uh, 64. The Beatles were in Ed Sullivan in early 64. And then the summer of 64 was a big uh, crossroads that I didn't really recognize. I was a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan. And the 64 Phillies were in first place the entire season. And I was so excited they were going to uh, go to the World Series. And also, the Beatles came out with uh, Hard Day's Night, and I loved that. The Phillies managed to lose 10 games in a row the last two weeks of the season and lost their, uh, uh, their shot at the uh, series, and I just kind of gave up on them, and I hitched my wagon to rock and roll. <laughs> How's that? And then uh, in high school... Uh, I got into the whole folk scene and acoustic music scene and, uh, you know, listening to it. And, you know, Peter, Mentor. Paul and Mary. And then I there was a, a a coffee house not far from where I grew up called The Main Point, which you can still find them online. And they have, you know, a lot of history there. And I saw everybody, you know, I saw uh, Joni Mitchell and James Taylor, and it sat about 150 people, and uh, uh, maybe, and uh, you know, Doc and Merrill Watson, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. I saw Laura Nero there. I saw Odetta there. Uh, I mean, I, and and I was there so much that they offered me a job, you know, tearing tickets and emptying the trash and. So I got to go three, four nights in a row and hear these people, which was great. And then there's some great rock and roll bands that came through. And then by the time I finished high school, I went off to New Mexico and, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's a, a time capsule of it. So from the time you got that guitar at age 12, you were, you were playing that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I bought a good guitar when I was like 15 uh, a Martin that I still have. I'm, I'm the original owner, which is uh, something, I don't know, the, the grace of God, I still have that guitar because, hey, I used to lend it to people for a week or two, people I hardly knew, you know. Well, so, it was the 60s. Yeah. I didn't grow up in as rich a, a, a musical place as, as, uh, as Rich did, not as... as... I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia, and WWVA was the radio station there. It was AM radio, and it was a big country music station, 50,000 watts, and it beamed all over North America. It used to show up in Philadelphia. Yeah, at, at, at night. Yeah, at night, yeah. But I didn't listen to that because I wasn't really interested in that kind of music. We, had a, we didn't have any um, FM stations, I don't think, and growing up. And I... I really remember being a, a little kid, sick, really sick with the measles. And uh, I don't know, I probably would have been like eight or nine or something. And I, w I mean, I was really sick. My mother was worried about me because my sister had died from uh, 
four years before that uh, from encephalitis. And she thought I was going to, you know, she was understandably worried about all of us. And getting the measles was bad because it was pre-vaccine, obviously. And so I got to have a radio next to my bed because I was in bed for, I had to keep the, the blinds down because they thought you would go blind and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, but I had a radio right next to my bed, which was, I think it was pretty impactful on me because they were playing everything. You know, they'd play uh, Frank Sinatra or they'd play, um, you know, doo-wop. It was all AM. It was, you know, nobody had a playlist then. It wasn't, you know, like a genre. You yeah. know, like, it, it's it's a cliche to say that. And that know, was, was true in, in Philadelphia. You know, you'd hear the Four Seasons and then you'd hear Frank Sinatra, then you'd hear uh the Beatles or Elvis Presley or you know yeah just... or Patty Page or you know yeah. stuff like that so i you know it was great to hear all that stuff and i definitely the beatles by the time i was 12 in 1964 the beatles were uh getting a lot it, the, the the station had kind of changed their formatting and they were playing it was more you know they were filtering out frank sinatra and all that stuff and the beatles of course were big and the same thing i mean they had a beatles fan club that we, when we got tickets through the station to go see, my brother and I got to go see the Beatles in Pittsburgh in 1964. And oh, how exciting. I know. At the age of 12 with my mother on a school night. And, you know, we were way, you know, they were about as a quarter inch tall from where we were sitting. You know, it was, it was great. It was exciting what I remember of it. But I think young people really enjoy the Beatles. I know our kids do. And I think they, they know what brilliant songwriters they were and all that and what a revolution it was for them what they did but i don't think people realize how impactful that was for people like us i mean culturally right i mean yeah yeah yeah. we all remember you know we do but yeah we were just talking about jeff beck dying and rich said oh god everybody's gonna start i'm worried about mccartney and i'm you know worried about clapton and it's like yeah when you know those you know those guys they've been around they're so important so and I, I also got to, there was a uh, a symphony in Wheeling that was pretty good. And I got to, uh, we would go to those concerts. And there were road shows that came through that I got to hear, like Ray Charles and Duke Ellington and Count Basie, that kind of stuff, at the big theater downtown that was um, where all the road shows would come through. So I got to hear that kind of thing. But you know, as far as people think, oh, you grew up in, because they know my brother Tim and they know what, he, you know, he's such a his big thing was understandably bluegrass from um, early days. And uh, I, that just was not my kind of thing. We we played folk music together and we, we did things in high school. But um, later we, as you know, I think went on, to, I know you know, we went on in, in our early 30s to make records together and perform in the in a folk duo thing my brother and I so we kind of came back to that that great sibling harmony which is just a magic kind of thing it's amazing yeah yeah it is amazing for anybody that's that listens to duets especially just a plain old duet singing you know you really know when it's siblings it's it's amazing it's uncanny Here's Molly with Tim from 1994's Away Out on the Mountain, Gillian Welch's Back to Wichita. She went back to Wichita, she went back to her ma and pa. You can still hear the night birds 
so really your instrument has been your voice um in your in your musical life and that is one of the hardest <laughs> instruments to play because i mean you have to be in good health you have to be well hydrated you have to be prepared i mean there's so many things that can go wrong singing and mm -hmm. i mean both you and tim have amazing voices and so you have this raw talent to begin with but how do you cultivate that kind of control and the kind of uh, chops you need to do what you want and and stay healthy to to make that happen I mean, that seems like a huge challenge to me well and it, it is a challenge and it's, of course it's more challenging the older you get because your vocal cords dry out start like everything else in your body starts drying out and um but COVID really, I never realized how susceptible I was singing, my singing was to getting sick. And I mean, of course I would always sing over a cold when I was traveling, I would sing over a cold or, you know, do everything I could not talk during the day and then get through the gig um, if I was sick. And I realized, and, 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 you know, croak through it by the end of the night, croak through the material. But um, I realized that, uh, you know, I have to be really, uh, a lot more careful about Well, you it. also need to exercise your voice a lot more. Right, and that kind of went out it, the window if you're, during COVID. Right, if you don't sing for That's chops. A, a month, you know, it's you're rusty. Right. But I uh but yes, I should back up and say because I think uh I think a lot of it is just a lot of it is just what you're born with and the structure of your 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 uh, your esophagus even you know I mean who knows it's on the vocal cords there's you know there's and your genetics um, so there's something about me and Tim you know that we both have that that enable us to <laughs> that other members in your family don't that's right <laughs> leave it at that <laughs> that enable us to uh, that enable us to um, to sing the way we do and I uh, you know even when I smoked a lot until I had kids, I, you know, I smoked a lot and I was still able to sing. I sing much better. I sang much better after I quit smoking, of course. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, it is, a lot of it is, is innate, uh, what you're born with, the gift, you know, the quote unquote gift. Everybody talks about that, but it is, it is a gift and, um, dumb not to use it, but, uh, and I'm glad I did. Cause for a while it didn't look like I was going to sing for professionally or do it at all really in my early 20s but it is uh just singing stuff over and over just singing and that's i mean the chops part is there's no getting around how you keep the chops up and that is just the daily work and whether you're singing you know you can sing any kind of music to keep your chops up really so mm -hmm. you know i did for a long time i did not for a long well about two or three years i did casual gigs with a, a, a company that just puts a band together for a wedding and and I had to learn all this material that I normally wouldn't sing but it was good I mean I just you know I just learned how to just exercise my voice differently and it you know it paid off learning all that stuff and and hydration yes partying in the old days was uh, like we all did a detriment yeah party you know you could get by with you know little sleep and and still do the gig the next day i can't do that anymore and um 
and also being really careful about getting sick. And you know, we have this, we have a run of things happening um, starting in a couple of weeks and culminating with our gig for you in Ukiah. And you know, I, you know, I just told Rich, I think I'm just gonna like quarantine, not quarantine, but not get together at a big, in a big setting and wear a mask and just to stay healthy because it seems after COVID things are, it sounds like it's taking people longer to recover from a normal cold or that kind of thing. So you just have to be more careful. I mean, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be singing, hopefully for a while, but you know, we both turned 70 recently. So we're, you know, that kind of is a kind of a, that was kind of like a knock on the door. Hello, you're 70, (laughs) right? Huh? <laughs> what like, did you say? I can't hear that one. <laughs> what what happened? Where it's like what? So it's just so so difficult. Oh my gosh! And I got into uh, listening and watching a lot. The Metropolitan Opera during when COVID started up, they were scrambling, you know, to keep their uh, audiences, and they offered all this stuff, this wonderful stuff online that you could watch every night. They'd have a different opera. You could pay or not pay. It was really wonderful. And um, how those people sing like that in, you know, for three and four hours. And they, I mean, they're maybe not in every scene, but they're, it's how Still. they do. And you hear somebody like Renee Fleming, you know, she came out with this, they, they put out a, they uh, released a release. They um, debuted a new opera called The Hours uh, this fall. Big, it was a huge deal. Um, it's based on the book, um, Virginia Woolf book. And with uh, Joyce DiDonato, who's fabulous. Uh, I think she's a mezzo-soprano. She's, she's in her 40s, and Renee's in her 60s, and then there's a uh, Broadway star, Kelly O'Hara, I think, and she's probably in her 40s. The three of them were the three characters. And Renee, you know, is she's 62 or something, and they didn't give her a terrible review, but it's like, God, they were saying, well, she doesn't have the flexibility in the... Her, her velvety uh, microtones and all this stuff, you know, and, the, and I was like, give her a break. You know, she's still, you know, she's still singing beautifully and it's... Yeah, let me see. But you that's, really. you know, that you're uh, at opera, you're really under a microscope with that kind of stuff. Oh so. God, yes. But it's amazing stuff what they do. Yeah. Just shoot oh. me if I ever sing out of tune and... Which you lose your velvety undertones, we really... <laughs> That already happened, let me tell you. <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> I'll remain silent. <laughs> well, tell me about when you got together, when you decided to become a duo. Uh, which came first, the duo or the romance? Or Oh, the romance. Romance came first, and then we did some music together in bar bands. And then when the kids started arriving, we tried to keep that going and it just wasn't possible to do it right. And uh, Molly said, and fast forward 20 some years, and then we started to be a duo. That's the short version. (laughs) A lot happened in between there, but um, you know, and I'm, you know, glad we took the time or, uh, you know, apart <laughs> musically. Uh, you know, I, I remember once the girls were still young, but I played with Molly at a gig in Boulder on stage and you were singing 
And it's like, oh, that's right, Molly is a great singer. <laughs> I mean, you know, because I didn't hear her sing. In between, in that 20 years, you were both doing music, but in different sort of, uh, I don't know. Definitely different. Yeah, different. Yeah. yeah. So I you were doing the thing with Tim and what the, the Ophelia swing band, string band thing happened and all that. And Yeah, the Ophelia was before my time with Tim, really. But uh, yeah, Tim and I started working together and that became, we put some records out that got us some notoriety and that became more, you know, it was like, oh, can you tour? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, it was hard. It was hardest on Rich, the touring, you know, being home with two little kids and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I well, you know, ask anybody who's, you ask know, raised any, kids. Yeah. Being you a know. single parent for even just for a week, you know, long weekend. Long weekends. Yeah. And I would try and play gigs during that time locally with various projects. And uh, it was difficult, but I, I pulled it off. So I, and, and when I wasn't gigging, I would always practice, you know, like I had a day job. So I would get up early, early and practice for even a half hour you know through headphones and then go work mm-hmm. you know which was good just kept my hands you know i never had any stretches to speak of where i wasn't playing and i bought a cheap guitar when the girls were real little and i could leave it out and if they stepped on it well so what you know i didn't have my my martin from martin. the old martin right you know yeah. i kept that away you know and didn't you play a lot of bass for a while? I did, I did because, uh, you know, guitar players are a dime a dozen, and that's the good ones, you know. Um, and so I played bass and then uh, uh, didn't really focus on guitar until Molly and I became a duo. And then that, you know, one day I realized I've really got to practice. <laughs> I don't well I mean I don't don't just play it like sit and work at it and practice it and you know and uh that took a while to see results but you know I remember being uh knocked out by your playing from well, you. you know one time to another and say oh my god yeah <laughs> that's right I mean, you really made exponential progress seemed like well good and that's chops. I mean, that's that's just putting the work in. Just that's, putting the work in, and yeah. you know, and and you know, my hands don't feel quite as young as they used to, so I gotta keep at it. Exercises and blah blah blah. Icing, icing, icing your hands. Yeah, can't yeah. ice your voice, but yeah, it's uh, you know, in a way, I'm really glad that it <laughs> worked out. We're lucky that it worked out the way it did for us because um, it's been the we've been doing the duo thing musically uh the musical duo since 2006 i want to say full-time pretty much Mm, yeah maybe and uh it took a couple years to get into the groove of you know the on stage thing and the the give and take and the the jokes and not the jokes but you know just being comfortable the the what the patter the patter the patter yeah and just you know knowing the material and all that stuff and you know it's true what they say. You don't know some a song until you've sung it or played it, you know, at least a hundred times. And that this, you know, the band never broke up. So we just kept going. We may have done little things on our own, you know, with somebody else here and there, but we just kept 
going slogging through the whole business of booking and you know that's a whole nother story too but you took that on right molly well okay yeah sometimes we'd have agents and we are our best agents right now because a lot of agents never knew what to do with this uh-huh. well that's the thing because we're not we can't Don't narrow it a slot yeah right yeah people still think that we do bluegrass or irish music mm-hmm. yeah neither of which do we do right those names are deceiving yeah. on the irish music and then yeah. right and the then connection Molly, with tim with the yeah. with the bluegrass, bluegrass. Yeah. well yeah. and you play acoustic then it must be bluegrass we do have a friend that's a books uh, a big festival up in the northeast and she said i look at you as the palate cleanser when <laughs> you know when they book us at a, that's what's supposed to be a bluegrass festival that or, was my or americana no yes no it was yes it was i can tell you exactly where we were when i told it no, Claire Armister said that yeah but uh, well then she said she anyway whatever an example whatever. of the patter right <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. So this is how we develop it. (laughs) Not quite getting into an argument, but almost, almost to the edge. Yeah. So this is called "My Love Is Like a Rose" by Bob Lucas, the Honorable Bob Lucas. That's cool. Let's talk a little bit about the gig in Ukiah. It is Saturday, March 4th at Space Theater in Ukiah, and it's a double bill. So the Real Sarahs, who are local uh, group, will open for you, and then you will uh, play. And it's a benefit for KCYX Building Fund, which is just a, the, the new building is just a couple blocks from that theater. So we'll we'll have an opportunity to go over and look at it and you'll see. Cool. It. Then you're gonna play another gig in Mendocino County on the coast at uh, the Little River Inn. So that's Sunday, the 5th of March. Right, right. And that's a, Another evening gig in the abalone room at the Little River Inn. <laughs> Love that. My girlish days. Memphis Mini. Memphis Mini. Oh, wow. I know. Crazy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. It's great. So <laughs> it's a funny, yeah, it's funny how it's still relevant. <laughs> Isn't it? So, all right. Love you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks to Molly O'Brien and Rich Moore for being our guests. 
They'll perform for the KZYX Building Fund on March 4th at Space in Ukiah, along with the fabulous Real Sarahs, and Sunday, March 5th, at the Little River Inn. I will miss my colleague, News Director Victor Palomino, who leaves us this month for a job with Radio Bilingue. Thank you for creating art waves, Victor, and thank you for everything else you've done for KZYX. For Art Waves, I'm Marty Durlin. Next, Spencer Brewer and the Ukiah Community Concert Association 2023 season. Spencer, thank you so much for talking with KCYX, Our Waves. And we're here because the Ukiah Community Concert Association is starting their 2023 season. They're going to begin with the professional pianist concert. So can you tell our listeners um, about the first, about the Ukiah Community Concert Association? Ukiah Community Concerts have been around since the late 40s. Originally, it was a a group that got together to bring all kinds of diverse music to the community. And they've lasted 70, 80 years almost, multiple boards. And uh, Ukiah Community Concerts at this point right now brings four unique concerts uh, to the area, usually artists from all over the world. Uh, And people can sign up to be a part of a member of them, or they can uh, go to any of the concerts they want. And about several years ago, I decided that I wanted to not be the sole producer of the professional pianist concert anymore. I started it in uh, 1992. And so uh, UCCA, the Community Concert Association, I approached, and they're very interested in basically wrapping it inside of their program. So it's not part of their subscription service, but it's an add-on uh, concert that really highlights uh, local artists and Ukiah Concert Association helps put the thing on now. Tell us then about the Professional Pianist Concert. This particular concert is uh, next weekend, January 21st and 22nd, this coming weekend, uh, Saturday night and Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock at the Big College at the Mendocino College Theater holds about 400 seats, um, which is really a lot of fun. This is the 30th anniversary of us doing this concert. And uh, this particular year, each particular day, Saturday and Sunday, will have different artists. I'm the only one that will be playing both nights, uh, pretty much because I'm the MC, mm-hmm. so I need to be there. On Saturday night, there will be Boogie Woogie Queen, Wendy DeWitt, uh, jazz great Chris James, soul and R&B player Frankie J, Elizabeth McDougal, who's uh, been doing classical music and teaching and playing with the symphony up here for decades, and world jazz player who just moved here recently in the last few years, Barney McClure. And then Sunday afternoon at two o'clock will be Elena Casanova, who does Cuban classical and Cuban jazz, Tom Ganung, which does originals, pops, and current hits, Ed Reinhardt, who's Mr. Boogie Woogie in the area. Ben Rube, who moved here a few years ago up to Leightonville, and he is from the Netherlands and quite an amazing classical player. And then Charlie Seltzer, who specializes in Broadway and show tune. Those are the various artists on each particular date. So it's going to be a very uh, diverse repertoire for every night. Yes, yeah, it's sort of like 
if you don't like what you're hearing, wait eight minutes. <laughs> and then you're going to hear somebody else. Kind of, the cool setup about this concert, when we first started, we did in the small theater, we had 75 people. And the next year it doubled. And the next year it doubled. till finally they built the big theater. We were in there once. And then it got so popular, we ended up selling out two shows. And then pre-COVID, we sold out three shows. So we sold out 1,200 seats to this series. And then COVID happened, so we brought it back to two nights, Saturday and Sunday. But the unique thing that people love about this concert is that there are two concert grands on stage. And then we put an entire living room that Willis Furniture Center donates all the furniture and the chairs and the easy chairs and the lamps and the rugs. So we're out there the entire time on the concert stage with body mics on listening to each other play hmm. now we don't know who's playing next or what they're gonna play okay. so it's complete live theater to mm -hmm. even us on the stage and the audience and then in between acts we sit there and talk with each other. oh what where'd that piece come from oh you made that up or you know listen Chopin did what oh what was the worst gig you ever did you know and it's just it's just outrageously fun and funny and there's basically no fourth wall. You know, uh -huh. The audience is part of well, They're up there enjoying listening to each other play as well as the audience. That makes it a lot of fun for everybody. So did you get to interact with the other pianists? Like you will be sitting there with the piano too, or do you just rotate that kind of like a, a musical chairs game? Well, we're sitting on the couch and then somebody gets up and starts playing and they oh. talk about whatever they're going to do. And if somebody has a, a fun, uh, exciting, informational, or rude comment from one of us, we'll sit there and go back and forth with them. And then they play what they're going to play. And we're, we're like, wow, that was really great. Can you mm -hmm. want to talk about that? So we intersperse with each other. Then we look at one another until somebody's inspired. Okay, it's my turn. I'm going to go. Okay, then that person gets up and does it. Now, we've also had many times where somebody's up there doing something really outrageous or fun. And one of the pianists gets an inspiration and they get up and play along with them or on the other piano because all of a sudden they're just inspired to interact with it. So yeah. we really, truly, we don't know what's going to happen yeah. each time. That sounds incredible. So is this is the first time that you're putting this together after COVID? Yeah, we haven't done it for the last two years. And then, yes, this is the first time uh, we missed out on the 28th and 29th year and Luckily, a lot of people are having concerts again. So this will be, we hit on the 30th year this year. Mm -hmm. And how is it to put this together, to find the musicians and get them to come here to Ukiah to play? We try to pull from area pianists. I mean, over the tenure of the years, we've had over 30 different piano players play on stage. There's a core group mm. that's there most years. And then we cycle others in and through because there's so many great piano players in this area. So it's really not a big issue to get players. In fact, there are too many players. And I wish I could invite everybody I know that deserves to be up there because it's a fun thing to do. But it's just there's there's too many. How did you make this election? How did you decide then what kind of piano players you want for each session? It's, that's a hard call. I mean, there's a core that it, it tries to do it each year. And of course, some of them cycle through and some of them pass away, some of them move away. And then a new one shows up or two that year or somebody I get really inspired by. I'm going, wow, that you're, you're quite amazing. And 
would you mind, uh, you, you want to be up here and do this once, you know, see what it's like. And mm -hmm. some come once and then that we get so excited about what they did that we wanted to come again because mm -hmm. they love it. And the audience really loved it. The problem with that is that over time, now you got 15, 20, 25 different pianists that want to fill an eight or nine person slot. So I'm, I know there are folks out there, fellow pianists and friends that are disappointed and I'm, I'm the bad guy. So, we, I try to do the, I try to do our best. Yeah. But at the end is always a, a, the best selection for that night. Yeah. We try. Mm -hmm. you know, all I could say is, you know, throw the dice out there and see what happens. So this is going to be on January 21st and 22nd. Uh, how is the process to get the tickets for uh, uh, what shows? you do is you could get tickets in Ukiah at the Mendocino book company. Uh, in Willits at Mazahar, and then ukiahconcerts.org are being able to get tickets online. I think they shut down getting tickets online for Sunday two days ago because Sunday's almost sold out. So they're just monitoring physical tickets now. Okay. So go to Mendocino Book Company or Mazahar or ukiahconcerts.org. Um, and they this is a benefit for the Ukiah Community Concert Association the Mendocino College Recording Arts Club and the Allegro Scholarship Program, which underwrites students to play music and learn how to play music. It's going to help future musicians that probably will continue the tradition to play piano and have these concerts in Ukiah. Spencer, can you tell us more about the rest of the season? What other concerts the Ukiah Community Concerts have planned for the year? You can go to the website, ukiahcommunityconcerts.org, and they usually have the full lineup for the year. On Sunday, February 5th, is Trace Souls. Uh, Trace Souls is, uh, they're out of Los Angeles. And basically, they're Rocio Mendoza, which uh, she was part of space. She grew up here in Ukiah and was part of space for a long time. And she's uh, joined by amazing guitarist Ray Godinho and um, Ishmael Panetta. Looks like Ray is on bass. And they do like a Latin bolero type genre. And then the next one, which is a really fun group, is uh, Le Vent du Nord. Uh, basically, it's a band from Quebec. Uh, and it's basically progressive francophone folk movement. It's traditional original compositions with hard driving soulful music, a lot of global influences. And then uh, April 16th is A.J. Lee and the Blues Summit. And it's contemporary bluegrass, uh, but it's very fresh, and very alive, and very fast. Uh, people really like seeing them because they're just they're just they're they're just a fun group to be on stage. So that that would end uh, this particular season, and then it starts up again in the fall. Okay, and the best way for our listeners to get that information is just visit their website, the Ukiah Concerts.org. You can also become a member of UCCA. And uh, the tickets are uh, less expensive than you get a chance to be a, more of a part of the entire thing. It, you know, it's a subscription base or you can just show up at the door. But you don't need to be a member to be part of the concerts. No, no. It, there's a benefit uh, financially and to be inside of some of the back. In other words, they'll have parties afterwards or meet and greets mm -hmm. and that type of thing. But uh, anybody can show up and, you know, bring your bring your family and enjoy the really diverse group of musicians great uh spencer anything else you want to add about the concerts about what people get, are going to expect to see and hear during that night i just encourage anybody who loves piano loves to laugh 
there's just, just such a wide, wide cross section of music that happens. We found over the years is that when somebody has come, then they next year they bring their family, and then the next year they invite the family to fly in. And it, we've had about seven or eight different cities across the United States that family members were in town and saw it, and they started something similar in their city because it's kind of a unique format to have everybody on stage all participating with each other interacting with one another and we really don't have a format other than okay you're going to end the first set and you're going to begin the second set that's about it yeah it, it is sounds like a unique format and very sounds also very fun and entertaining spencer if, if our listeners want to know more about your music in particular where can they go they can go to spencerbrewer.com i have my 15th album actually coming out that weekend we've been working on it for a year and a half It'll be, it's being released nationwide. Well, actually globally, I'll be on all the streaming services and every service that has music on it. Um, mm -hmm. So the availability of this next record, which is behind the veil, which I'll be playing excerpts from that, that particular evening. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for your time and for talking to KCYX and hope to see you during the performance. Hey, thank you so much for the interview. And I really appreciate everything you do and what KCYX does for the community. Thank you.
That was Spencer's Brewer's performance at the 27th Professional Piano Concert in Ukiah. Thanks for listening to Our Waves. My name is Victor Palomino, and this is my last episode of Our Waves. Thanks to all of the listeners to join me and Marty during our exploration of the Mendocino art sector here in KCYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. Until next time. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.